Praise the Lord. This is Pastor Johnson from Bethel Lady Church. Thank you for downloading our podcast. We are so glad we could connect with you through this podcast. Please ensure you subscribe to receive new messages every week. We pray this podcast builds your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and motivates you to live a life of excellence for the glory of our Lord. Thank you for your support. Enjoy the message. Having said that, let's get into God's word for today. Studying from God's holy word on the topic of fear. And today I want to study from God's word on reverential fear of God Almighty. May I just take this mic off the stand? My only fear is when I take the mic off the stand, I get into that Pentecostal anointing. I'll try and stay calm, but let's see. The Bible talks about fear and expresses to us that fear is a common thing. In fact, fear is an essential intellectual requirement to live in an imperfect world of sin. It's not as if it's never faith. It's, it's actually never faith or fear. It's always faith over fear. It is about having a life which we live out of faith rather than out of fear. You know, there was a man uh, whose news came out in Indian media and became very popular for a season for at least two days. It was the headlines about one man who in Bengal jumped into the zoo. Uh, uh, sorry, he was in the zoo and jumped into the tiger's den or the lion's den. You know, Bengal is famous for white tigers. And so he jumped into one of those dens with tigers or lions and the uh, carnivorous animals, of course, got the better of him and killed him. The onlookers who were surprised, they were explaining and the cameras that captured that scene came up in the front headlines of our country a few years ago. And the onlookers said this, they said, we've never seen somebody so bold and courageous who jumped off into that den of those bees and so fearlessly walked towards them. And even when the animals came charging at him, he never tried to run away. He just walked towards them with absolute boldness. That was the version of the onlookers. After two days or three days, the police investigations clarified that yes, he had no fear because he was mentally disadvantaged. He was mentally retarded. He couldn't think of the dangers. If anybody says, I have absolutely no fear of anything, I want to pray for you. All right? Now, if somebody says, Pastor, I'm scared to go home, I'll pray for you also. Okay. Everybody has fears, some for right reasons and some for wrong reasons. So if somebody says, I have faith in God, therefore I will have no fear. Well, probably what you mean to say is, you will not fear the wrong things. And that's perfectly all right. But if you mean to say that when I have faith in God, I'll have no fear at all, is an absolute intellectual fallacy. Because we all have fears which are essential, which are necessary for our well-being on earth. What is fear? It's an awareness that makes us feel anxious, insecure, weak, rejected, sometimes threatened, helpless or frightened, worried or inadequate, inferior sometimes, or worthless, insignificant, excluded, persecuted, nervous, exposed. Fear can come from all of these roots. In fact, these words that I just used 
are roots and the fruit is the fear that appears as we feed off these with these roots. The problem is when fear becomes, see for a child of God, the problem comes when you and I allow fear to become the greater part of our life. When we allow fear to become so great that we start making choices based on fear instead of making choices based on God's plan and God's purpose. That's when fear becomes a sin. That's when fear begins to become prophetic. It begins to become prophetic. In other words, your fear can tell you what your future is because your fear is inviting a future that God has not planned for you. Therefore, whenever you start to trust your fear more than God's promise or his presence over your life, then you're opening wide the gate of the demonic and of the curses. There's one guy in the Bible. There's only one guy in the Bible who was perfect in God's eyes. There's only one person in the whole Bible, apart from the Lord Jesus. There's only one person in the Bible whom the Bible records with God saying, there is no one perfect like this man. God himself said that. You know who that is, of course. Somebody shout out the answer. Have you all decided not to talk and just leave it to me? Come on, somebody knows that. Job, you're right. That's one job you did perfect today. His name is Job. This guy called Job, about him, God said, by the way, that's the oldest book in the Bible, all right? Historically, it's about four, 5,000 years old. And, uh, and that's the book in the Bible uh, where Job prophesied and said that the whole earth hangs on nothing. Now science tells us that earth hangs on nothing, but in those days, everyone believed that earth was either on the elephant back or they had their own kind of theories that the sun would rise in the east and set in the west and they had all of these logics and Job came and said, no, that's not true. The earth is hanging on nothing. So Job is the first one who said that. Now, this guy in the Holy Bible about whom God said he's perfect. Do you know in the whole Bible, apart from the Lord Jesus, nobody has gone through the trouble Job has gone through. This guy being so wealthy, so perfect, so rich, and you can be all of that at the same time. And his daughters were the most beautiful. Okay, it's written in the Bible, so I repeat it, brothers. I meant nothing else. Now, the Bible talks about this guy as being some epitome, some zenith, some kind of crescendo of family life. If you want to look at an ideal model family, <laughs> and the Bible says he was Certified by God as being perfect. I mean, he was the wealthiest guy. He was the most holy and pure guy. Everything was going well. But do you know, all of a sudden, in one day, he lost everything. He lost everything and the curse came on him and everything in his life was destroyed. Well, after a span of whatever, a few months or years, God restored to him three times more than what he lost. That's God's character, right? Those who seek God, he will never leave them in shame. He'll bring them out. But why did such a holy and perfect man go through such unusual pain? Is God a sadistic God? Of course, no. Does God like hurting people? Of course, no. For those who want to live a holy life, do you have to fear that trouble will come? Is that the message of Job? Of course, no. Is there a reason to why we can... Is there a reason with which we can come to terms on why 
Job went through these problems. As I studied the Bible, I found some scripture that I thought was the answer. Let's read that. It's in Job chapter 3 verse 25. And Job says, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Aha! Uh -huh. Of all the things in his life that was perfect, the Bible records one small window he opened for the curse to enter his life. And it's called fear that ruled his life. While you are perfect, while you are walking in the will of God, while you are doing the things that God wants you to do, why should you expect wrong? Why should you expect curse? Why should you fear things that God hasn't planned for you? Job, <laughs> you, should be, you should be expecting good things to happen to you. Why are you expecting bad things to happen? No idea. But somehow Job had this fear in his mind that things like this are going to happen. And when it happened and he was put in such a destitute situation, he says, ah, I knew this was going to happen. I feared my children will be dead. My house will be burned. I would lose everything. And naked I came. Naked will I die and go. He said, I had this fear. You know what? Your fear is prophetic. In the name of Jesus today, let's bury that fear down there and rise up in faith by the blood of the covenant of resurrection. Go ahead. Give the Lord a mighty big hand of praise and you are free to shout an amen. There's this question of reverential fear. Do we fear God? Yes, we must fear God. But we must fear God, not like how religions fear God. We must fear God as God's word teaches us to fear God. Because we live in a pluralistic society with uh, such a variety of cultures. And I think India is one of the greatest nations in that sense that we've learned to um, live with each other even though we come from a variety of cultures and variety of colors and variety of cuisines and variety of beliefs and all of that is, is just fantastic. And, uh, uh, but to understand the Bible, we shouldn't be using the neighborhood culture. We should be using the Holy Bible to understand the Bible. How does the Bible explain the fear of God? Now, there's a story in the Bible. It's one of the most popular stories in the world. Right? About 1.2 billion or 1.6 billion Muslims believe he is their father. His name is Abram. And about 12 million Jews out of that 12 million, about 8 million are in Israel. They believe Abraham is their biological father. About 2.2 or 2.4 billion Christians around the world believe Abraham is their father. But Christians say he's just our spiritual father. He's just the father of faith, but he's father. Abraham was a pretty hardworking guy for so many to call him, you know, their father, isn't it? It doesn't come easy. Now, this man, Abraham, he became popular and, and he made Jerusalem very popular. You know, Jerusalem is a very popular place in the world. A uh, lot of people are afraid of what can happen in Jerusalem. In fact, when Donald Trump, the American president, moved the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem, it was the news for at least a few months around the world. Why is Jerusalem so important? Jerusalem is so very important because 
The Bible records how Abraham took his son Isaac and offered him as a sacrifice on that mountaintop to God. God had told Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you so love, and offer him as a sacrifice on that rock. Offer him as a sacrifice in obedience of my word. And Abraham took his son Isaac. Isaac means laughter. Sometimes your laughter will have to go through moments of sacrifice and that is not to destroy your laughter. It is to multiply your Isaac as the stars of the sky and the sand of the sea. If you feel God is taking your Isaac to the altar of sacrifice, bro, give it to God like how that boy gave that five loaves of bread and two fishes because if the master breaks it, it will not come back empty. It will come back multiplied, basketfuls removed. Meaning, oh, somebody shout an amen. I told you if I pick this mic, I'll go back to my teenage. God spoke to Abraham and he obeyed. And God told Abraham, offer the sacrifice where I tell you to offer. You know, worshiping God is so important. But worshiping him as God wants you to worship him is equally important. So Abraham goes with his son Isaac to that mountaintop and there as he offered him as a sacrifice and the last part of the sacrifice which is to kill the sacrificial animal, in this case his own son. He took the knife in his hand between the blade of the knife and the neck of his son, God spoke. Sometimes God doesn't speak in advance. He speaks at the last minute. But I want to tell you this. Even if God is four days late, he will still be on time because he'll call Lazarus out from the grave and put him back to dine that night in the family dinner. If you think God was late with you, no, 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 no. God is never late. Read the book of Joel. The Bible says, I will return to you the years that locusts and the cranker worm have eaten away. Signs can give you back your health. Your parents can give you back your inheritance. Your girlfriend or wife or husband can give you back love. But there is only God who can bring the time you lost back again. He is the God of Hezekiah who brought the shadow on the sundial back of 15 degrees. When God stands by your side, my brother, there is no power in the world that can stand against you. And Abraham, as he picked up that knife and he was going to swing it on the neck of his son, Isaac, God's angel called out and said, because you were not afraid to offer your son, now I know you fear God. Excuse me, angel, what are you saying? You should be saying, now I know you will obey God. Angel of God, you should be saying, now we know that you love God. Why are you saying, now we know you fear God? Was Abraham shivering and trembling, afraid of God? No, he was happy. And why the word fear God? When you read Genesis chapter 22, the angel of God says, now I know you fear God. Because the definition of fear of God is not the religious definition of getting scared. You know, in childhood days, uh, Christian kids used to say things like, as in, I was one of them, would say things like, we're standing in the church, so we'll just behave properly. Come out, we'll show you. Was Abraham like that, fearing God? <laughs> One salesman once told me, Father, I'm sitting in the church, I will not lie. I didn't know whether that was the biggest lie or that was one honest truth. Is that the kind of fear that the Bible is talking about? No. 
The Bible is talking about fear of God as in the sense that Abraham loved God so much. The fear of God in the Bible is a reverential fear. It is not a trembling fear that makes you run away from God. It is a reverential fear of love, of trust, of obedience that makes you run towards God. That kind of fear is what God wants us to have. And that kind of fear, the Bible tells us, you know, while our fears can make us run towards God, wrong fear of God will make us run away from God's intimacy. Fear of God removes negative fears from within us. The right fear of God brings God's wisdom to us to respond rightly to situations that are potential and worthy of fear. That's why the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Fear of God is defined as integrity within heart and mind, words and actions. Where there is coherence of what we feel in our heart, we believe in our mind, we speak in our words and we behave in our actions. When they all become coherent, when they become uh, a parts of the same with integrity, when one reflects the other, that's when it's genuine fear of God. Fear of God is responding and practicing doctrine of God's plan rather than human shortcuts and strategies. There is healing, there is anointing in the genuine fear of God because there is a Holy Spirit anointing in the genuine fear of God. In fact, in genuine fear of God, it leads to better decisions and quality of life and the genuine fear of God sets divine favor into process. I want to conclude with two scriptures. Let's look at Malachi, the book of Malachi and chapter number one and verse number six. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts? O priests that despise my name, and you say, wherein have we despised thy name? Shall we read it one more time? Verse 6 from the beginning. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord? And God is specifically speaking to the priests, saying, you priests that despise my name, and say, we have not despised your name. You see, fearing God is a combination of loving God as a father and being accountable to God as a master. A child does not have to fear the father like a slave has to fear the master. Why? Because simple things like a child can walk away from the house saying, I don't want to live here anymore. But a slave can never walk away from the house because he belongs to that house. So God is saying, if you really want to come to me with honest worship, I'm your father who loves you and I'm your master who decides for your future. And God is telling the priest, don't make worshiping me an obligation of social standing that you just want to fulfill because of some religiosity or religious duty. I want to conclude with Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 and 9. Let's read that together. Jesus our Lord is saying, This people draw near unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart, <laughs> heart, heart, it's always the heart, right? Their heart is far away from me. Their body is in the church, but their heart is in the shopping complex. Their body and their lips are singing hallelujah, but their heart is where we will have lunch today. 
right? Their body is in the front of the altar, but their heart is hoping that they will impress that girl they want to marry. God is saying their mouth is praising me. This is not about you and me. It is about them, okay? But we have to be careful that we don't become like them. That's why we are studying this. The Bible is saying their heart is far away from me. Being religious with and Let's read, let, go ahead. Let's read verse 9. But in vain do they worship me. Because when they worship me like that, their whole activity of worship becomes vain because they are teaching the doctrines and commandments of men rather than teaching God's word. Being religious with no emotional or intellectual connection to God is a vain worship. Being religious with only religious expressions, with no emotional connection with God or intellectual growth in understanding God is vain worship. Rules of uniformity and Christian unity, but no matching lifestyle in private or otherwise is vain worship. Doctrines of men and bondages that pride itself in self-penance and which is accepted by a majority in Christian world is vain worship. All of the above makes people love rules and regulations and the uniformity and the unity and concepts of which are very spiritual looking, somehow denying a deeper relationship and love for God Almighty. When you really love God and walk in the fear of God, your life leads, moves from fear to being praiseworthy. Somebody shout praiseworthy. People will look at your life and say, man, your God is really great and your lifestyle is fantastic. And I believe the God who said to Abraham, I will make you the head and not the tail. I believe that God's hand is upon your life and you will walk in victory. It doesn't matter which virus is in town. What matters is if you are in the shelter of the Most High and in the shadow of the Almighty, then no evil will befall you. No plague will come near your dwelling. Go ahead, give a clap offering to the Lord, somebody shout an amen. This is the truth that when you walk in the fear of God, you move into a life which is praiseworthy. Second, you when you live a life which fears God, you move into a life that is joyful, that is happy. You won't be smiling just for the selfie or the camera. You'll be smiling from your heart. And that fear of God leads to what is called freedom. For the Bible says, where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty to make right choices. You wouldn't be making wrong choices out of desperation, fear, or negativity, but out of love for God Almighty. Our eyes are closed, our heads are bowed. If anybody here lives in fear that, oh, I was born at a wrong time, maybe I can't have a great future because I was born in a wrong home, or maybe I can't have a great life because I have got some curse, some evil. Maybe somehow there is obstruction that I'm not able to overcome. This morning, the Lord wants you to know, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. You will overcome. You will be successful. You will walk in God's healing because God loves you. He is your heavenly father. And when you have that reverential fear for him, other fears in the world will be dulled out and become non-effective. Hallelujah. Heavenly father, this morning, I pray for your healing. I pray for your anointing. I pray for your victory. I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, your people will walk in your deliverance. No curse, no evil will come near them. Your protection be on them. The power of your Holy Spirit be on them. 
We love you, Master. Let this week be a blessed week in their lives and that your favor will forever be on them. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people said, Amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I believe that you are blessed. Please connect with us for prayer or counseling. Please do call us or visit our website or visit us. The details are given in the description. We'll be glad to serve you. Do subscribe so you can receive the latest podcast to encourage you in your journey in Christ. Please do share it with your friends too by clicking the share button. We are praying for you. God has great plans for your life. Thanks again for participating, listening. God bless you.